like to welcome Rob up to speak with us now in our Elijah series. Come on up, Rob. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. I pray for you. Yeah, and for us. Yeah, God, thank you so much for Rob. Thank you that he's come here to share with us this morning. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you anoint his words? Would you help him to speak what you have for us to hear this morning? And for all of us, would you prepare us to receive the truth that you want to speak into our hearts, the truth that you have for us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Holly. Great to be with you. And continuing our series in Elijah and uh, under the title Faith and Fire. That amazing moment for Elijah when he stood on the Mount Carmel and prayed for the fire to fall and had faith that God would demonstrate his, his power. And we're particularly today going to be thinking, um, it's an amazing story about this poor widow who's absolutely destitute and how God uses her. And we're going to, three things we want to particularly think about is divine inclusion, how God has a purpose for every one of our lives, we're all included. And then a little bit about miraculous provision, how God provides in our lives, and finally, about willing obedience. So we're reading from uh, 1 Kings, and hopefully it'll come up on our screen. And this is the story of the widow of Zarephath. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, uh, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as I have asked, as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Father, we pray now that you will unfold these scriptures to us. Help us not only to see the amazing way in which in history we see at work, but how today those principles of divine inclusion, a miraculous provision of willing obedience can shape our lives as your disciples today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you ever feel when um, notices come up and uh, we need volunteers to do something or other, you always feel 
like, oh, not for me. I'm the last person that God could use. Uh, and sometimes we almost don't even think about volunteering because we just don't feel somehow as if uh, we could ever do anything really significant for God. One of the amazing things about God is this sense of divine inclusion, the way in which every one of us, no matter how little we have, no matter how weak we feel, no matter how inadequate we seem, yet God can use us. And this story illustrates it in such a dramatic way. We have Elijah, who's one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He's the one who did some amazing miracles, where, as I say, at one stage he stood on Mount Carmel with 400 prophets, these false prophets, and he can demonstrate God's power and really puts his head on the line as he uh, cries out to God for fire to fall and his sacrifice, and the fire falls. He'd seen God do miraculous things, but now he's in a difficult situation. There's been no rain. The place where he'd been living, there was a little brook from which he used to draw the water every day. It's dried up. He's got nothing to drink, nothing to eat. And God has commanded someone to supply his needs. And this someone is a widow who's at the end of a wits, literally. She's lost her husband. She's lost everything. She's got nothing left to eat or to drink and just, well, a little flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And she's just going to make the last meal. And yet God uses her to provide for Elijah. Now, the Bible is full of such stories. It almost seems that it's God's way of working, this kind of divine inclusion, where he'll often take the least, the last, the lost, and somehow through them fulfill his purposes. You can think of, of Jesus when um, he's tired uh, and uh, he sits by a well, but he's got nothing to draw water with, and a woman comes to draw water, and uh, uh, this woman, Jesus, says to her, could you give me a drink? This is Jesus the creator of the universe, the one who could turn water into wine. And yet he's asking not just any woman, but a Samaritan woman from a very checkered background. In fact, she'd had five husbands. The man she's now living with isn't a husband. I mean, if everyone you don't want to be associated with or linked with, well, and yet Jesus asks her to give him a drink. Uh, she's so shocked at it. She, she, she said, why would you ask me? Why would you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan to drink? But this is God's way. God has an amazing way of taking the least likely person, the person you think, oh, God could never use me. God would never ask me to do anything, and therefore I, I never expect to do anything. And yet there's this divine inclusion. Even with that woman at the well, it wasn't just about a drink of water, because Jesus says to her when she is so surprised that he should ask water when she's a Samaritan, he says, you know, if you knew it was, was asking you, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water. And the woman says, what do you mean you give me living water? You haven't, got a, you haven't got a bucket to draw anything with. But Jesus says, the water I would give you would be living water that would be welling up to eternal life. You wouldn't need, looking down this well, you wouldn't need to come to this well, drink water. This would be 
water welling up to everlasting life. Now, this woman still doesn't understand, but she has one thing in mind. It was a real embarrassment. Normally, folk don't come at midday to a well in the, in the Middle East, but she was a bit of an excluded one. You've had five husbands, and the one you now live in, isn't you? In your village, you're not the person who wants to mix with too many other women in the village. And so she was there, as it were, and it was an embarrassment to be coming to there. So if she could get some water that meant she never had to come there again, then this was it. Well, and Jesus then says to her, go get your husband. Oh, she says, I haven't got a husband. Jesus says, ah, you've had five husbands. The man you're now living with is not your husband. Wow, she says, you're a prophet. It's like as if Jesus could see everything about her life. And uh, there's this amazing moment. They begin to go on to some religious questions about whether they should worship or not worship. And then eventually she says, but we know that when the Messiah comes, when, when the Christ comes, he'll guide us into all these things. And then Jesus says, if only you knew it was talking to you. I am the Christ. Wow. Before long, she's rushing back home to the village and bringing them all there. But, but here's just one of those another examples of, a, 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 of an unlikely situation, yet God uses it. When she gets back to that village, all those villagers come and come to Jesus. It's almost as if she tells them how that here's someone who knew everything about her and yet still was able to reach out to her to bring that forgiveness and new life, that living water. That's the wonder of the cross of Jesus. It's for the least, the last, the lost. But for us too today, it helps us to understand that God has an amazing way of divine inclusion. Every one of us, if only we're willing, God can use us. And that's what leads us to that miraculous provision, the way that God provided through this widow. Now, it's interesting because when God calls Elijah to go to Zarephath, he says, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Now, you think, well, there must have been this moment when an angel appeared to this widow earlier and told her, you know, but she knew nothing about it at this stage. In fact, she's there at the city gate. In fact, when Elijah arrives and Elijah says, could you give me a drink of water? Well, she could manage that because you go to the well and get some water. And so she's on her way to get a water. And then he says, oh, by the way, uh, some bread as well. Bread as well, she says. She says, I've only got a little bit of flour and a, a little jug of oil and it's only enough to provide for me and my son and we have our last meal and we're going to die. And you're asking me for bread? But here we see this amazing way in which she goes and gets it. Now, God has amazing ways of miraculously providing. The story will go on to say how that she not only was able to make a little cake for him, but enough for her and her son, her family, right the way through until the drought was over. That miraculous provision. But there's lots of things about this story that are really helpful to understand. You see, the reason why... Uh, Elijah had come to Zarephath was because the place where he was living by this brook, uh, it dried up. Now, in fact, that brook itself had been God's supernatural provision for him. There was a time when uh, God had said there'd be no rain in the land for years, and they went for years without any rain. It's dry and barren. And then God says to him, look, I want you to go eastward, eastward to this valley, this ravine it was. And he gets to this ravine, and there's a brook there. And this is God's provision for him. God provided this brook and, and every day would get water from him. In fact, the ravens would come and bring bread and meat for him to eat. And this was God's provision. So when it dried up, this had been God's previous provision that was now drying up. 
Now, that's when it can be very confusing in life when, yep, we believe God can miraculously provide. He provides for us, but then something happens and the very thing that God provided seems to have dried up. And that can be challenging our life when we do it. Now, now I, I, so many times, I think for Pam and I, over the years, we've seen some amazing ways in which God has provided. Sometimes in really kind of simple but practical ways, lots and lots of ways. I could tell you stories of it, keep you here all day, but even little things where you know, God provides something. So uh, the way we've normally managed with transport is usually either our daughter or son or somebody, their car is just about, uh, you know, so they give us theirs when they build a new one. So we, we, over the years, have had some amazing provision where, you know, someone's given us an old car. But then after about two years, the car has dried up, given up. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking, but this was God's provision, but it, it's gone now. And, but then actually what happens, God actually provides, but he provides even something better than it was before. But there's that in-between period when you, you're wondering why what happened when God's provided is gone. And so what God says to Elijah in this ravine where he was living by the brook, it's all dried up, he's really confused, but Lord, this was your provision, it's gone now. And but God says, I want you now to go to Zarephath. And so off he sets for Zarephath. Now, sometimes God will use situations in our life where it's almost as if one provision of God seems to come to an end, but it's in order to get us to move on to a next situation. And the next situation may surprise us when we get there, what God does in it. But to get us there, if we still had the water of the brook, he'd still be there today. You know, well, maybe not today, but you know, he'd still be there, you know, when the story starts. Because, you know, that, that's kept us going. We're settled there, we got it. But sometimes God actually lets the book dry up in order to get us to move to the next place and for his next provision for us. It's, in the end of the day, this amazing story that centers around the widow's obedience. And that's what I want to think of finally is her willing obedience. When, uh, when Elijah gets to the city gate and sees her and says to her, she's just a widow going by. Remember, God says, I've commanded her, but she didn't know much about it yet. The way that God's going to do it is now through these circumstances. And he says to her, can you get me a drink of water? And I remember she could have even said that, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm, at, I'm at the end of my life. I just can't do, you know, why can't you get your own water? But, but she's willing. She goes and gets the water. But then it like, seems as if, goodness me, she's about to get water. And now he says, can you get me some bread as well? And you think, oh, wait a minute. Uh, and she says, but, but, but she says, I haven't got enough to eat myself. I've just got a little bit of flour in a jar and a, a jug of oil. And I'm going to make my last meal. I'm just collecting some sticks here to make a last Cake of bread for my, me and my son. We're going to eat it and die. But the scripture says she went and did it. It's that kind of obedience sometimes where we could make every reason why we couldn't do it because of the little we've got. You know, often when it's about even our giving to God, uh, scripture so often takes examples of where it's the person with the least but they're willing to give. We usually make it our excuse. We say, look, when I, I've got my next job, I'll be able to afford to start regularly giving. Or, you know, when I've saved up and got the car, it'll be okay then. But when I do this, but God says, no, now at this moment, when it's even the least you've got, be willing to give. So Jesus is there at the temple. They're all giving their offerings and um, lots of money that's given, etc. And there comes a widow. She's only got too much, two coins. But she puts in her offering. And what Jesus says is she has given out of her poverty. And somehow it was something about that that was very special to God. And I want to just say a very practical thing about giving for all of us. 
in our regular giving. Don't make the excuse somehow, well, at the moment, I, you know, I can only manage a very little. God is interested in the little. If we make it that excuse, but I'll wait until I've got that better job, it never quite happens. I remember I'd just become a Christian, right? I wasn't from a Christian family. It was all new to me. As to money, I knew nothing about Christian giving, etc. And uh, um, i just done my first part-time job. I was still at school, and uh, um, uh, it was a gardening job. They paid me a fortune, I thought. It was a thing called a half a crown. You most likely have never seen one. It was kind of the biggest coin in those days. It was just, it was a, a, a silver coin. It's nothing quite like, like a, a 50p, but slightly bigger and rounder and thicker. And it was called a half a crown, right? And um, it, it wouldn't be worth too much, but to me, it was a fortune, I tell you. And uh, this is my Saturday morning job. But I got this half a crown at the end of it. And on the next day, on the Sunday, here I am, a new Christian. I go along to church and there's this service going on, a worship service, and there's an offering. They took an offering happening and they're passing a bag around for this offering. Now, the only coin I got on me is my half crown. That's all my money I've just had for my, my, my first day's job. And I'm thinking, I, I, I took hold. And I thought, yes, Lord, I'm going to give you this. And I thought, oh, no, I, I let go of it quick. And, and, and then it got a bit near. And I thought, oh, yeah, I will. And, and I was battling away there. Will I? Won't I? I mean, I mean, it's all I got. There were people here who were earning vast wages. And people who had cars outside. They were giving plenty. I mean, what would my, it would make any difference, my little bit. But eventually, when the offering bag got to me, I had hold of it. And I, I closed my eyes and put it in. <laughs> but God did something in my heart that day that shaped the rest of my life with regard to giving. Often it's that willing obedience when sometimes it's the most constrained circumstances. A widow sat by the offering, seeing them all put in all their big coins, and yet Jesus notices hers. He didn't talk about any, that's all he, hers. That willingness sometimes to be obedient in the way we do it, in the way we give. See, discipleship is about obedience, it's about steps of obedience. That's why even the most, you know, Jesus gives that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And then, first step, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What about if people don't want to do it, they don't want to get wet, don't want to get their hair wet? You teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So this is a step of obedience. Yet even that step of obedience, baptism, in fact, I think it's a baptism due here sooner, um, but it's a, a ba- baptism is, is a real important step. Now, what can happen sometimes in our lives, it's just happened this past month at Woody's, sometimes for, you know, for all sorts of reasons, we never quite get baptized early on, and I, I didn't. I, I, otherwise, I'm a Christian, it was all, I didn't even know about baptism when I became a Christian, but it wasn't until a year later I, I began to read and understand first sort of baptism. By then, I'd witnessed to all my friends and mates and everybody else, and somebody said, you need to baptize because it's your way of sort of demonstrating to people. I said, I've, I've taught everybody. I said, I've already gotten a lot of flack for it all, etc. And I, I was quite reluctant. And then I remember reading that scripture that Jesus says, if you love me, You'll obey my commandments. And I thought, oh, this is a command of Jesus. And so I took that step. Just last month, we had a, a lovely lady at Woody Central. She's a mature lady, um, a, a lovely, willing volunteer, uh, very much a, so much a part of life, been there for years. And we were going to have a baptism, and she stood up and said, 
I want to be baptized. We said, well, I thought you'd been baptized years ago. He said, no. He said, I was never baptized years ago. There's all sorts of reasons why it happened, or she never felt she was really ready for that sort of step, baptism, etc., etc. And And then as the years went by, I thought it was a bit too late now. I mean, it'd be funny for me now getting back. And, and so years went by, she'd never been baptized. I remember a baptism at Woodlands we'd had, and I was speaking about it. At the end of it, I gave a kind of opportunity for anyone who'd never been baptized to respond. One of the first people who stood up was a person... They were a senior leader in the church. One was going to become one of our senior trustees of the church. I thought they were baptized years ago. And they said, no, Rob, I, I never got baptized. And it seemed difficult as the years went by. And yeah, I always felt there was a nagging sense of something I'd never quite done. But you know, sometimes when you, you, you start a cup of tea or start eating a biscuit and you've left it somewhere, and you, you know, you feel you've something unfinished, something I'm quite finished. He said, I always felt there was something that I'd never really done in obedience. And is that willing obedience where we're willing to say yes Lord I willingly obey whether it's in our giving whether it's in baptism whether it's in just the ways in which we respond to those opportunities of service serving God and Elijah and the widow is an amazing example of divine inclusion miraculous provision but also that willing obedience let's pray together Father help us today for every one of us, no matter how limited we feel our gifts or skills, no matter how at times we feel our limited energy, you may even be suffering from long COVID like that lady I was with yesterday, Lord, who said she's got such little energy to do anything. And yet, like that widow who felt this was her last meal, she was about to die, but she was willing to obey. Help us, Lord, to be part of that divine inclusion to be able to believe, to have that faith in that miraculous provision. And help us today, even now in our hearts, for there to be that willing obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen.